0: Hello everyone, this is Sarah Desimores for the Moms on the Grind podcast and welcome to episode three with the first interview ever. I'm so excited. I really wanted to interview boss moms and in this episode I interview a mom on her grind I truly admire here in Miami, Alexandra B. Contos. Alexandra is a reinvented attorney, entrepreneur and mom who's making a positive impact in the health insurance industry in her role as a field training agent with U.S. Health Advisors. Licensed in 30 states, Alex helps families and entrepreneurs secure innovative, affordable, and custom-built health coverage plans that fit the individual needs of her clients. Alex has excelled in her first year as a health insurance professional, hitting all major milestones, stock options, and incentive trips, and consistently being in the top 75 agents out of 2,500 agents nationwide. In her former life, Alex owned and operated an all-women law firm serving the South Florida community in the practice areas of business, bankruptcy, and foreclosure defense. Alex is a dedicated athlete and loves obstacle course races, especially those involving mud. I didn't know that. So Alex was one of the very first women I met here in Miami and became friends with. I don't know how it happened, but the moment we met, our energies instantly matched. We're both very high energy, but zen at the same time. It's kind of weird to explain. So I met her a few years ago going to a networking event she organized for female lawyers in Coconut Grove. It was at the Coconut Grove bookstore, I believe, and I thought that the idea of this type of networking event was brilliant. I mean, what's better for me than to network with a bunch of women attorneys? I mean, I need them, they need me, we usually connect, we usually have similar interests, so I've always loved uh, networking with attorneys, but... When we met, I had absolutely no idea she was going through such a huge career transition. I didn't know she had two kids, and I absolutely had no idea at the time that she'd be one of the first persons I'd call for advice after I called my wedding off. Yes, guys, I was engaged, and I called my wedding off. So she has not only become a friend, but a guide, mentor, and motivator. She's one of the hardest working women that I know, and just like me, she's a single mom. This episode is a little bit longer than the other episodes you've listened to, but it's full of gems. Guys, trust me, you're going to need a notebook and a pen to take notes. She's a complete open book. She'll discuss everything from building her own law firm, the attachment she had to law even when she felt like she needed a change, going through divorce. You know, Not a lot of people are that open about divorce, so I'm really grateful that she was able to be a an open book about it and talk about how she felt and everything she also talks about her wins and failures having to move back with her mom and more so without further ado meet alexandra um just to start off just tell me like who you are your story you know your mom on the grind story my name is alex and
1: i am a health insurance agent i am a health coverage specialist i would say i'm licensed in 30 states um, I started doing this a couple of years ago and before that I was an attorney. Well, I am an attorney still, but I, I'm a non-practicing attorney now. Um, I was an attorney for about eight years and I own my own law firm. It was an all women law firm, very successful, you know, um, lots of work. And I started that when my youngest daughter was 10 months old and the older one was almost three Um, So it was kind of a crazy whirlwind. And I think that job, although it was great and, you know, we did foreclosure defense and saved a lot of families from foreclosure Um, here in Florida. It was like really like a big deal back then. A lot of people were behind on their mortgage. They didn't know how to catch up um, and all the properties were underwater. So that was um, it's we started the law firm in 2011, when my daughter, so she, Athena was born in April of 2011. So, so it was, it was around the time that she was born a couple of months after. So I want to say like, in reality, probably like end of 2011, beginning of 2012 was when we really like launched it. And then we had like a five-year run. Um, you know, the, the law firm grew from just a few clients to over a thousand clients in six months. Um, which is kind of unheard of growth. (laughs) We had to get two office locations, like I said, 40 employees. That's a a fast, very fast growth. And, um, you know, I I was doing that while I was taking care of two babies under three, which was kind of crazy, but
0: wow. (laughs) I can't even imagine.
1: Yeah, I can't either. It's hard to look back. You know, you just get through it. But, um, you know, at the time I was like, okay, this is the way to go. I loved my business partners. I loved that we were making a difference. We're helping people keep their homes. But like, I got really burned out during that time. And I ended up, you know, like wasn't in the right marriage and I ended up getting divorced. And a few years later, like closed the law firm. Really, we sold the book of business. Um, when it, we were kind of like already like downsized, you know, cause it was more of a volume based business uh-huh. and also got divorced in the same year. Um,
0: oh wow. So, so you got divorced and closed your law
1: firm the same year. How was that? It was hard, you know, uh, like when I look at it at the time, like I'm such a survivor and like muscle through everything. And when you're in it, you're in it and you're like going to survive, especially when, you've got two little kids and you're like, okay, I got to be the best mom I can be for them. Um, you just go through it. And, you know, I was kind of like, it was a blessing in disguise for me. Um, the closing of that law firm. Cause I, I kind of held on to the practice of law and reality. I didn't really want to be a lawyer. I wasn't really the happiest attorney. I don't think I was the best attorney either. I was really great <laughs> with clients. I was really great at getting deals done at collecting the retainers, which is really more like a business development sales role, but then once you know, if you go back to practicing on your own, like a lot of like my now current clients do, you have got to do. You have to wear all the hats. You have to do the actual work. You got to go to court. You got to get the clients. You got to do the bookkeeping. You got to do yeah. And that was not for me <laughs> at all. Um, and I knew that because I had gotten to. I had gotten. I had been so lucky to get the opportunity to work in my. Um, my flow, like where I, my genius, you know, which was really like in that business development role for so many years. So going back and seeing this contrast to trying to do it all myself, it was just like a big N O, you know? Yeah. And so I struggled a little bit um, there because again, I'm facing like raising these two kids. I didn't, we'd chosen to split everything 50, 50 with ex husband and I. And so like, I didn't have child support. My income dropped by 75% Mm -hmm. overnight oh wow and I was never like really the best with (laughs) figuring out or planning stuff out like that like I was always like okay well as the change happens we'll adjust to it but I had never really experienced such a like drastic change and so um you know it was it was tough like I I was like okay well what am I gonna do so I started coaching women lawyers I started like how I met you that is how you met me I can't believe that
0: wow So just to give like people kind of a, like a backstory, um, Alex used to do, well, I don't know if you still do them. She had those amazing events for attorneys called, uh, Embrace the Esquire, was it? Yep. Embrace the Esquire. Yeah. Embrace the Esquire. Was it like an organization? Like it was just like events. And I remember meeting you at the Coconut Grove bookstore. Yes.
1: Uh, was that at that really big one yeah we did a bunch of events like
0: quite a few there yep yep it was huge and me as a realtor I'm like okay the best people for me to network are attorneys exactly Remember, like on Facebook and going there and just clicking what you like automatically
1: is that how it was but is that how it was you just found me through Facebook wow
0: yeah and then after that I don't know if it was before or after, but anyways, I know like you were in BNI like me, but I remember Mm -hmm. it was really at the event that I got to like talk to you.
1: Yeah. And so we got to talk and then what's crazy, actually, I'll tell you a little bit now that I just remembered, um, the girl, Natalie, who you started the BNI chapter with, like she was part of a retreat that I led. I would do these three-day retreats for women lawyers. Like my passion was really teaching women, how to sell and how to like sell themselves, how to like be able to like, you know, command more income and how to ask for what they want in life. Because I really believe that women, um, you know, don't do that as much. Especially
0: attorneys, nobody teaches you that.
1: Nobody teaches you that. And that was the biggest lesson that we learned when, you know, having our own law firm is like, Oh, like we know how to be lawyers, but we don't know how to run a business. We don't know how to like sell, but I did know how to sell because I had sales experience before. I sold books door to door in college, like 80-hour weeks, you know, selling books door to door, which is the best experience of my life. <laughs> um, I did it all to follow a guy that I like fell in love with on over spring break. Huh? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met him on spring break junior year, like fell in love. He's like, Oh, I do this crazy summer job. We like go get shipped off and go sell books or a door after we go to training in Nashville for a week. And I'm like, okay, so that's cool. That sounds challenging. You know, in reality, like it wasn't just to follow him. I really, I had been listening that whole year to Tony Robbins CDs. Okay. Like that makes me sound really old, but like, that's the, the the truth. They were CDs. And my parents were in this multi-level marketing business called Amway, which from Herbalife. Oh, no <laughs> okay. Yes. yes. So my parents were involved in that. Like, obviously they no longer are, but you know, one of the greatest gifts that came from that was like, they were exposed to all this like motivational stuff and positive thinking, positive psychology. And Tony Robbins was one of those People so like they would get actually no it wasn't CDs I'm lying okay like you're gonna have to just hold your breath for a second it's uh, they're actually tapes guys they're tapes
0: same thing, same thing
1: <laughs> okay so yeah <laughs> some people don't even know what these ta- what tapes are but they're tapes I think I might still have some some box somewhere but anyway they like changed my life like you know I think it like made a part of me come alive that I didn't know that I had and I'm so grateful for that but I was it kept me like looking for something more I was in college at the time and I was like this is just like easy you know I'm not really being challenged and so that summer job was my challenge and I found like I fell in love with my with selling I fell in love with sales and the highs and the lows and the challenge and like the grit you know and like the failure and then like the comeback and that is um it's an addiction <laughs> the healthy addiction How do
0: you feel like it helped you in the law firm? So in the law firm,
1: um, I had partners, you know, and we had we had like a mechanism to to market um, and to, you know, target people Um, basically. And, you know, we we could serve all of Florida because we were licensed in Florida. And so Florida was one of like the markets that was the hardest hit by the foreclosure crisis back then. And so there was a way that we could, like, send direct mail to these people um, and help them. And so it was just something that people really needed. And so where my skill set came in was in sitting down with those people when they came in and helping them see that we were the law firm for them. Because at the time, everybody and their mother and every lawyer who never <laughs> touched, you know, any kind of bankruptcy or foreclosure law or property law. They wanted to get in it because it was a moneymaker back then, or like, I guess people saw it that way. So for me, it was more of like, I loved connecting with people. I also spoke Spanish and in Miami, there was a lot of Spanish-speaking people. So I think like, I just was able to connect with people and really bring that, like, we were a 40 person law firm with two offices and it was a very structured approach to like handling these files. You know, like it was very... Um, we had a volume, like you, you know, and so I brought, I think I brought the personalized approach and like, I think they connected with me. Um, and also like, I was just a go-getter. Like I would want to see the last, the next client. I would want to book another appointment. I would ask for referrals. That's just like naturally inside of me. Um, and it was also like where I felt my own flow. I was feeling like I was really good at what I was doing. Whereas like rewind back, maybe like when I, we first started the firm, we weren't organized that way and I was doing things that I probably shouldn't have been doing and like, didn't feel like I was that great at them and wasn't, mm-hmm. but you know, once we like my partners and I, we really figured out what our strengths were and we focused on our strengths. That's when we really, and that's when I really got it back in touch with like, Oh, I get this. I'm really good at this. Like, I remember why I was successful when I sold bookstores. I remember why I was so happy back then. And that's, um, you know, I, I fell in love with sales and I knew that like, I needed to be in business development now when the, the law firm ended, I went back and I kind of forgot about that for a second. And I went back and tried to do it all myself, which I was saying earlier, like quickly, I was shown that that's not the way that was not the way for me.
0: And what about like, what did you do when, once you close the law firm, right. And then you're going through a divorce and you have the kids and it, it, it must have been a crazy whirlwind. What do you feel, feel helped you, you know, get out of that. And what did you do next in terms of career? In
1: closing the law firm, so what I, in getting divorced, I still had the law firm open. I think part of it, if you want to be completely honest, I was in denial of that the law firm was actually closing, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, So looking back on it, I remember myself thinking, this is not like, this is not the end or this is where my partners and I are going to do something else. I uh, learned something about myself and I'm like very, very good. Like one of my personality profiles has taught me that I'm a supporter star deal maker, which means like, I am very good in like partnerships. So Mm -hmm. for me to do something completely on my own and like invent, reinvent the wheel or like invent a product or create something isn't going to be my best too, but I'm really good in partnership. Mm -hmm. And so I was losing my partners. My, both my partners didn't want to practice law anymore. And they were like the first to admit it. And in reality, I really didn't either, but I was scared to death (laughs) can I curse on this? Cause I almost, yeah, you can. That. Yes, girl. Okay. So I was, I was scared as fuck to like move away from doing something that I held on to and that I invested so much money in like student loan wise, all those years, you know, maybe blaming the whole law firm and the career on my divorce, all that, or for my divorce, all that stuff. So I think that was, you know, I don't know, like I've never really, I've always had a super positive outlook on life. And I was like, I'm going to survive. I'm going to get through this. And I didn't really know what was in front of me. Looking back, it was scary as heck. Like it's scary. But, um, you know, I, I knew I had the vision too. Like, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm meant to do something else. Um, and. You just
0: didn't you know, know what it was. Right.
1: <laughs> I didn't know what it was. And so what happened is like, I just started that whole embrace the Esquire thing. I found my love for public speaking for like expressing myself. And there's like, there's something beautiful. Like it, feels great. Cause I would inspire so many people. They would reach out to me. There's nothing like that feeling, but I wasn't making any money. I was like broke, you know, like, yeah. so I kept going, going, doing that and just making a buy, just making a buy, you know, and thank God I was good at sales. Cause I would like, get on the phone and sell retreats and then go and do them. But I was just making it by. Um, and that was a really scary place to be. So I ran into this like internal struggle, Um, which is what made me kind of like sit down in in my chair and realize like, I can't do this right now. And it was more of like, I'm teaching these women how to sell themselves, how to make money and how to ask for what they're worth. And I wasn't doing it myself.
0: Um, Yeah. We Like, like, we do that often, right? Like, we'll give advice, but then we're not like using it for ourselves. Yeah.
1: that was like really hard for me to stand in like that reality, um, to the point where I had to like stop doing it. Um, and I was like, I just need to get a job and I need to get myself back on my feet. I need to have benefits again, you know, like health insurance, all that. And I'll do whatever it takes. So I went and got a job with a big, actually, I actually got a job with two different like lawyer jobs. One of them, it was like for a solo practitioner that worked very close to my house. And it was like a perfect first step. Um, but it just wasn't, like I was, you know, basically like an intern kind of, it just wasn't the right fit. Um, and he really couldn't afford me <laughs> and I was bringing in all these like high level ideas and business development. And here's again, like you can't take, like I had owned a multimillion dollar law firm, you know, for so many years. And like, how do you take that experience away, away, you know, and how do you like just dumb it down, um, and just be the employee. And I had a hard it time must with that. Hard. that must have been really hard it was really hard because I knew I'm like, okay, I can help you grow your law firm. Here it is. I can do this for you. I can do that. And this is what you need to do. But in reality, and that all is great. But if they don't have like the back end to be able to handle that, like, yeah, mm -hmm, then it doesn't really work when you like play it out, you know, as far as like having the income there, having everything there. So I then went and got, okay. So that was like the hardest year of my, like the ending of a, probably the hardest few months of my life. My daughter actually fractured her, had a spiral fracture in her leg. She ended up being in a spica cast, which is like those two-legged cla- casts. Oh, wow. that they put kids in, like with a bar in between. With the, It was basically a body cast. Like And
0: how, how old was she?
1: She was five. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so she was born with a, a cyst in her hip, like near her growth um, plate. And it was just a, a unicameral bone cyst. And it was benign. But we always had known about it and knew that it, could, it weakens the bone. So, you know, if she was like ice skating or fell off a horse, like she could actually like really break her leg, whereas like someone else wouldn't. Um, so a couple of years after we figured that out, and this was like right around the time when I had that job, I uh, I remember I was like putting the Christmas tree together and she tripped over my other daughter's leg in our living room Oh no! and um, fractured her leg yeah. And, and we were in the hospital for five days. She had a surgery. It was like the whole nine. And I had a deposition that I had to do for this attorney that I was working for. He had like left the, the he'd gone to like another city gone, or maybe he was out of the country. And I like asked him, would he please cover that telephonically so I could be with my daughter because she's having like major surgery. And he was like, I need you to do this deposition. And so I had to like be in the you know, in the, in the cafeteria of this children's hospital with my daughter, like still coming out from all like the pain meds, doing this deposition, feeling like, what am I doing <laughs> like, with my life right now? Can't be life, right? Yeah. Like this, this, this sucks. You know, that's really how I felt at the time. Like, wow. And so then I really felt like just not good. I felt very resentful going back. Well, come to find out, like he laid me off. Uh, in an email on new year's eve and that was like a week later yeah yes girl oh Oh my god it was like one of those things and then you know after that i was like all right well i'm gonna like figure it out and so i got another job uh at a law big law bigger law firm this time because i thought that they would be more stable i was looking for stability at that (laughs) time because i was like okay i have no stability in my life i'm gonna look for some and this big firm has many offices all over the u.s And I think I lasted like six weeks there. You couldn't even deal? (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't even deal. It was like another one of those things where like, okay, I have to either dumb myself down or I don't even know who I am here. And I just got to the point where I was like trying to curb myself and my true self so Uh much that I would every single day I would like have all this positive self-talk. I would drive up to Fort Lauderdale. I'd be ready to go. And, like, by 2 o'clock, I would literally feel like I was getting the flu. Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, symptoms, like, over my body. Yeah. And, and I knew. I was like, this is just not, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like, this isn't going to work. But I had no choice. because so I really didn't have any savings. I wasn't really making much money at that place. Anyway, so I was just making a buy. So, I had decided that I was going to get my insurance license um while well, i was still at that job and the day i was looking for insurance actually this is how it happened health insurance for myself
0: uh-huh
1: um and i knew that it needed to be affordable um cuz i was going to start a business i don't know what the heck it was going to be but it was going to be something so i called my friend up who had just started doing this insurance thing as a side hustle he's also an ex-lawyer restaurant owner um and he got me a plan that I still have now. And, um, then he, you know, I started kind of like watching him cause he had never done sales and he, it, you know, he was doing really well and it was just like a side thing for him. And I'm like, wow, that look seems really like great, you know? And he's like, you'd be really good at this. You have a great network. And, you know, we're really helping people. And that's how, um, my current like life changing career just fell into my lap. I, well, it, there's a, one other part of the story. I, Got the plan and then I signed up for the license course. And the next day I went into work and I got called into like the boardroom and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> I've been here before. Yeah. And, I'm, and so they were like restructuring the department. And it was like one of those things where you see like slow motion. And I'm like, okay, so I, it, there's no place for me here and I will gladly walk, you know, pay me to the end of the week. And I remember at the time, that's all I wanted. And I I'm I got this. Like I'm gonna put all my eggs in this other basket. I believe in this person who's bringing me into doing this, and and I'm I don't have anything to lose at this point, you know. So and that's how I started being like a health insurance agent, um, and now,
0: which you're really good at, by the way. Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah, you were my client. Yeah, like you're really you're really one good. of my first clients. <laughs> really? Yeah. No. Yeah, you were one of my very first. Yeah, because no like, wait. Every- it didn't, yeah, look like
0: yeah. it. it didn't look like, Aww. it didn't look like, it didn't look like, the thing is you're so like the way that you talk about it is really like, you love helping others. Kind of like me in the podcast and even me in real estate, I'm not doing it just for the money. It's really, cause I really want to help people out. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Like, and that's, I think that's the differentiating factor is, um, the gratitude, you know, like to be able to. And I see this in you, too, Sarah. Like, I know I'm, again, like, as I'm speaking, I'm echoing this because we've talked about this. But, like, I know that I'm here for a much bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's been a lot of times in my life where, like, some of the times that I've just talked about right now um, where I did not see that light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And But, like, something inside of me told me, like, I don't belong here. Yeah, And I know who I am and I know who, what I'm made of and I know I won't stop, you know, and that it that breeds a level of gratitude that mm-hmm. if you don't have if you haven't felt that challenge, if you haven't felt that like bow and that's that scarcity mindset, the, the fear, you know, I feel like it's a gift,
0: to be honest. It is. We we're just talking about that before. You know how we talked about um, about passion, right? Yeah. You are telling me that passion is like the number one, the number one thing.
1: Exactly. Like passion is, and I was, yeah, I was telling the story about like my brother. So now I have an fast forward, like what, 18 months or so, or so a little bit more than that. And, um, I'm like number 34 in my company for personal production well, out of like 3,500 agents or something crazy like that. It's a lot, but like, I never like. I'm not one of these people that's like, I got to get all the sales. I like so focused on numbers. Yeah. I'm competitive with myself. I have goals and I like try to outdo myself just to be able to show myself what's possible income wise. But like in reality, it's, I want to feel that feeling like, and it's like a high, you know, it's like you, but like the feeling that you get from helping people save like a ton of money on their health insurance. And for me, it's more than that. It's more about like I get to like connect with moms and moms are like my biggest clients, you know, who it's not their job to like be health insurance specialists. And nobody, like even people that are have are licensed in health, you know, and also do life insurance. There's no way that you could be an expert on this stuff unless you do it full time, like me. There's no way because
0: it's changing all the time. Uh, it's the same with real estate. Like, I mean, any any domain, especially when you need to have a license for it. Yeah, you know, sure. there's a reason why we have to get a license for it is because we have to do it full time. It's a lot of work.
1: That's a great, yeah. And that's a great point because it is, it's a license. And what the license also does is it holds you, like, ethically to a certain standard, which is really important in what we both of us do, Uh You know, I mean, I can't like misrepresent a product. I'm not just selling something. I have some like a, you know, licensee for that's, And this is very similar when I practice law, that's keeping you accountable. And I just, I know that you do too, for what you're doing and what you're not doing and what you're saying and, Uh you know, for standards in the industry. So like, we're all grateful for that. Right. Because there is, you know, uh, there are people and there are probably people in my company too, that don't do things right. Um, and that's just the, I feel like that's human nature. You know, if you take a group of 100 people, I don't care what company they're part of, there's going to be like some bad eggs in there. You know, there's going to be some people that like maybe didn't get the love they needed at home or like didn't, weren't taught the right way or like a little bit like in scarcity mindset, you know, and that's why like leadership and strong leadership and people really like developing themselves is, I believe, like what's the key to any organization sustaining and, and thriving, and that's what I try to do now. Like I now, you know, when I started this job, Sarah, like it was like, okay, I just want to make money to pay the bills. Like I moved out of my, when I started this, which was like, I'll go on to the rest of the story. I realized like when I was going to do this job that I didn't even know I was on commission only. And I was like, I don't know. I haven't been on commission only in years. So yeah. like, how am I, so I moved out I moved in with my mom. She lived in a two bedroom apartment with my grandmother who was like 86 at the time. She passed away now, you know, and mm-hmm. and so like I was living in my mother's bedroom with my two kids and my mom and like of course a lot of love cuz that's you know we're latin and that's how we do it anyway. So that like
0: that's like recent. So you like moved back with your yeah. mom. That's January
1: girls. of 2000
0: no, I'm sorry, April of
1: 2017. So yeah. that's like a year and a half ago. Wow. Yeah. And I moved back in with her, and then my daughter developed this like horrendous allergies to her cats. and so I had to leave and I lived with a friend who let me stay at his place over the summer. and I went back and forth between her place and his place when he how did the home, fr- I would
0: take that though like how did it, like did you explain to them what was going on? Did they take it cold? Did they found did they find it you know super cool that you're you know they're living with grandma? like how did they take it? and or like how did you explain it to them?
1: so I so when something I realized, is like kids take on your emotion about things, not like what actually happened. Like when they're that little, they're like, okay, cool. They're looking at you. Like if I was crying about it every day, if I was like scared, if I was like stressed every day, they probably would have also taken on that same emotion. But because I was like, we're going to live with, you know, they call her Abu because it's short for abuela, abuelita, you know, they, they liked it because they were with my grandmother at the time, my mom all in the same house and they were, God, the they got a ten more attention, more chocolate, you know, candy. So For candy. I was a little more relaxed, even though it was a little crazy, but I was more relaxed because my mom cooked. So there was something about that, like that I needed at the time that they needed that made it all. Okay. You know, and it was fine. I mean, I told them, yeah, we're going to move out of this place. Like we're going to get a better place like soon, but I'm going to build this business. And so right now we have to take a, like a little step. This is like a detour. You know, we're just going to like transition. And then eventually, like maybe in a year, we're going to move into like a nicer place. And they didn't care. They were like completely fine with it, which is like, t- they totally blew my mind with that. Because, you know, as a mom, like we feel a lot of guilt, I think, in advance for our children. Like, and 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 like, let's just take a moment and, and hear what I said. We have guilt in advance.
0: Yeah, like that's the, that's the number one thing. Even the question that I asked you is because, you know, I know as moms, we always want to like give them the best or whatever. And then we feel guilt, but then at the same time, the kids, they don't even think it's such a big deal. Exactly. And that's huge,
1: Sarah. I mean, like we, you know, again, we have all these like things and that we've learned in our life or from pain. Like we, you know, we learn from pain and we learn from pleasure. A lot of the times the biggest lessons we learn are from pain, And from the things that, like, I had a divorced family, like, you know, and I grew up seeing my mom kind of, like, I felt that she was, like, lonely. That was, like, the emotion I felt from her. And so I thought, like, or sad. And, like, I thought, like, okay, I don't want to ever get divorced because I don't want to be lonely and sad. And I felt lonely and sad for my mom because I saw her that way. And I remember thinking, like, I'm not going to do, that's not going to be my story. Like, I'm not doing that with these kids. And, I mean, I haven't even been in a committed relationship in four years since I've had, you know, since I've gotten divorced and like, I feel like they think I'm the happiest mom ever, but it's because I've, you know, I put a lot of effort into finding my joy. And like the first thing I had to do, you know, was really figure out this
0: whole career path. And, um, you know, because if you don't have that, you're not happy because you actually love what you do. Exactly. And you know,
1: that's the thing. Like I, I struggled. I was telling you this earlier. I struggled. Holding on to the law. Like, I even started a business to coach women attorneys because I so badly, I feel like, so think about the name Embrace the Esquire. It was almost like I was holding on
0: to the Esquire, to the law,
1: to the, like, because
0: I was like, because the, of like the prestige of the name. Is it because of like, do you feel oh, like it's yeah. because you grew up thinking that being a lawyer meant being successful?
1: Maybe, but like not consciously. So, because consciously, like I remember clients coming into my office, and in Spanish, like when they talk to you in Spanish, they call you doctora, which is like doctor <laughs> translated to doctor in English. And so I remember like hearing that, and I'd be like, "Where's the doctor?" Like I would look around, like who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Because I'm just like a regular girl here. I was like 31 at the time, you know? Like yeah, I, I'm here. Like no, like definitely not the girl you're thinking. Of. But I, but I would look at like the way they would look at me with that title, with that, you know, everything. And I think it was like some kind of like a subconscious thing. And also, yeah, family-wise, like family-wise, my, I come from a family of professionals, doctors, you know, they, in South, my family's from South America. They're from Uruguay and I'm first generation American. Like I, they moved here a year before I was born. And so or the way they grew up is like you, you study to become something like you become a, a lawyer, doctor, <laughs> doctor, or an accountant or something. But like, so I was like doing sales. They were like, what are you doing with your life? Like, that's why I decided to go to law school. because My parents were like, okay, what are you doing? Are you done selling stuff? Like, what do you do? And I, and like, if so I, when I look back, I'm like, oh my God, it's like selling stuff is like the smartest thing you possibly ever do. And I wouldn't have had all the student loans, but You know, like, there's no regrets around that. But it's just interesting how we pick up a lot of, like, other
0: people's beliefs um, as we grow up. And that's everybody. I've been there, too. I mean, it's like, in my culture, if you're not an attorney or a doctor or an engineer or, like, a nurse, you're nothing. You're nothing. that culture, like, it just needs to change because I'm actually happier. Like, I did study finance. I did do all that. But I didn't like it. You know, just to yeah. see you were an attorney and you weren't happy. You know, in the end, we're the ones that wake up every day and have to go to work, not our parents or not, like, members of our family.
1: Well, and here's the thing, right? There's never I, – I don't believe in failure. Like, so Sarah Blakely is, like, you know, the, the CEO of Spanx. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, she's my, like, you know, girl crush in a big way. So she's, like, my <laughs> entrepreneur, girl, boss, like, hero and – She, I remember watching this video that she did, or maybe it was like just a poster about failure. Like she, she said that her father, as she was growing up, would tell her, you need to go fail at something. Like you need to fail as many things as you can. What can you fail at today? What'd you fail fail? at today? What went wrong? Oh, good. And they would celebrate the failures because that just means that you're out there doing and that you're trying. And that like, in reality, what's happening is you're building tough skin and you're building that like. I'm like untouchable, you know, because nothing's going to bring me down. Cause I've already failed so many times. I have nothing to lose. So I'll just keep going, going, going. Eventually I'm going to get it right. I love that, you know, to me, that is, um, that's, I mean, that's how I live my life. And I feel like, you know, it, there is no failure even now what I've like looked at like long-term, right. I look at like, I have three attorneys, the guy that brought me into the business, my one of my ex business partner is actually one of my agents on my team, I have three, there's three attorneys. We have, there's a bunch of us that are like ex-professionals, like, you know, former like multimillion dollar business owners that are doing, choosing to do what I'm doing, which is helping people with their health insurance and they're building teams and they're really helping people. And I'm like, so how did this all happen? And I really feel like, like all of your skill set from the past,
0: everything it, comes together, right? It all comes together. You took Every- the words of their mouth. Yeah. And you feel like everything happens for a reason.
1: It all happens for a reason and you can't like see it when you're in it. Sometimes you don't (laughs) see the future, but you see it now. You're like, oh, like I realize right now I see why I love this so much. And had I not been at rock bottom, I would never have been an insurance agent. I was like, hell no, I've never an insurance agent. Like I look down on that. You know, my friend Jamie, you know, Jamie, she she told me years ago, you should go into insurance. I was like, no way. I'm an attorney, like, why would I ever go into insurance, you know? And in reality, that whole idea was like something of a subconscious thought that like, it was a less than career or something that, um, it would be a step back maybe like some, at some subconscious level, whereas like now I realize, wow, I serve like 60% of my clients are self-employed lawyers, um, successful lawyers, trial lawyers that are like really good. They all call me. And I help them and their families, and then they, they they have my cell phone. They text me when something goes wrong. When one of the kids like breaks their arm, and they're like, "What do I do?" And I'm like, "This is what you do. So you stay in that You know how I to talk
0: in... to them, and you know their schedule because you you were there, right? hundred percent. Like you I feel, yeah. Level.
1: Yeah, and so nobody like so that's one thing I'm noticing now with my current team is there's some people on my team who don't have the, all that professional experience. Uh And so you can learn how to do this job, like you can learn the products, but what like comes from life experience of having run a business of having that, like we used to have to tell people that the bank foreclosed on their home and they had to move out in a week, that they had to go tell their husband that they lost their home, that they had to tell their kids that they, they had to change schools next year. Like that's the conversation that I used to have all the time. So, you know, I mean, I mean, sometimes we got to give much happier conversations, but let me tell you, when you're a lawyer, unless you're just doing certain limited work, if you're a trial lawyer, if you're involved with litigation at all, there's not always going to be a happy outcome. And having those hard conversations is, is like really like skill building. Like it really is like confidence building. And it's something that like Becomes an asset, like, you know, like an experience that, that nobody can ever take away from you, and will help you in the long run. Like I think my job's easy now. Like the worst thing that happens is that I can't get someone approved for, a, you know, a, a plan that they wanted. I can break that news to them in my sleep, like while laying on the beach, and I will say it with compassion and love, and make them feel totally, you know, taken care of, and give them an alternative option, and they'll love me forever and still send me business. I don't have a problem with that conversation. I see new people. Or they do because again, it's it's life experience, our life and our business
0: experience, well, especially and especially you more- went through so much shit <laughs> that like That's, yeah yeah <laughs> you went like, through okay. so much shit it's like yep you know
1: That's how it. they feel right yeah you know how they feel and you're like this has been a big deal <laughs> okay like you know it's I mean I used to, have to be like is this not a big deal to tell people they lost their home. I, and I'd be like, "This really isn't your home, because like you really don't. <laughs> you, owe, you owe more on it than what the than what the the bank owns it. Like you and owe he being more a
0: realtor, and I used to work in mortgages back in Canada. I was like, and actually, you weren't even supposed to be approved for that home in the first place.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing. But people really they forget. And it's like, this is my home. This is my everything. And like what I realized back then, she was like, people really attach to stuff, and it's like irresponsible. It's an irresponsible way to live. Like I've, I've, you know, and again, it's like, I'm not going to go back and say like whose fault that is because the banks were lending, lending. I mean, I had a house back then before I went to law school, I made double what I bought it for. I sold it a year and a half later, two years later, doubled and doubled in, in price. And then the, per- which was amazing, obviously. And then the person that bought it from us, which is me and my, and my ex-boyfriend at the time, and while he bought that while I was in law school, um, they foreclosed because we got the papers we knew, we know, cause sometimes they'll name like the former owners and stuff like that just to, in case that there's a title issue. And so I saw that and I'm like, wow you know, like that's kind of irresponsible. Like that, that was sold at that price. And like, how did that, how did the market allow that? But anyway, you know, like all those things, again, like I've seen people like that have recovered. I did bankruptcy. I filed, you know how many bankruptcies I filed for people. And then I, I have, I'm connected with them on LinkedIn and I see that they're like building businesses, buying new homes. Like they're starting again, they're reinventing themselves. They move past that. And so like, I mean, I think, I feel like for me, like my biggest Saying and like something I'm really like trying to ho- ho- hone in on as much as possible is like speaking to people um, about that, about reinvention and following your heart, and you know, like knowing that there's not like a
0: later sometimes. Like, sometimes you just have to of, do it now. Speaking of reinvention, right? You went through a divorce. So, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people that listen to that are in that's you know, it. Blew my mind. Um, the first podcast I released, the response that I got from people, who are you know either in relationships looking to get separated, or they're going through a divorce, and you know the you know the feeling. I wasn't I wasn't married. I was just engaged, and you know the feeling of you know when you know it's wrong and it's going wrong, but then you have children. What do you think helped you go through the divorce and maybe accept it? Was it like a nasty divorce? Like, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I
1: never wanted to be a divorce. I was a child of divorce. I never wanted to be divorced. Um, but you know, my marriage was not a happy marriage. It wasn't the best. And what really got me to make the move was that I knew, you know, my kids were like four and two, four and like one and a half, not even two. And I just knew like, I would see these two beautiful little girls and they'd be so cute and funny. And like, I remember looking at them and I couldn't feel joy.
0: I couldn't feel joy. Yeah. Cause you were like not happy.
1: I was unhappy. Yeah. And, um, I was in, in the right, right relationship for me. Like I had rushed into that and got pregnant with my first daughter very, very quickly. Um, and I knew like, you know, I was like, okay, so what made me leave and what, what kept me going? I think what made me leave is the same thing that actually kept me, uh, going through the, the process. And that was, I, I can't be the best mother that I could possibly be and that my girls deserve if I'm not my best self, if I'm not looking at myself in the mirror and, like, respecting myself, lo- truly loving myself, you know, and being, like, like acting in my truth, you know, like, living my truth and knowing what – and at the time it was not to be in that relationship. And so that's really, like, gave me the – like, that was the catalyst, you know, for me to Did leave Did you get there. an aha moment? Um, while well, I was still in the marriage or after boat. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, it's a process, you know, like I got that. Mo- I, I, so I knew like I was like in this marriage and I, I, I rarely ever talk like negatively about it. And I try to just be as clear as possible, but I knew that it wasn't the right relationship when I was like sad all the time crying. I was finding myself like Talking to my mom about him. Like, you know, it wasn't like the relationship that I would want to have with the father of my children. And I realized that, like, in the, like, I had a big part problem at a, for me and a big reason why I was feeling that way was because I had over time repressed so much of my own opinions and emotions. And, like, I just stopped communicating because I wanted to just keep the peace. And so, um, I was inauthentic
0: Uh
1: with what I really wanted with what. And so like, so then all of a sudden, like, that's the worst thing. Cause in reality, what we all want is to be in connection with our, like our heart. And we want to be in connection with our source, with God, with our, whatever you believe, you know, with our true self. And so when you're not in alignment with that, because you're not speaking your truth and you've just kind of like decided to be a different way to keep the peace, that's not real. That doesn't work out. No it doesn't work out. It's not sustainable. And I, I mean, I see women that do it. I don't, I don't even know how, but I think over time that wears on you. And I think for me, it was like, I was way too much, um, associated and connected with people who challenged me. Like I was connect, you know, I did a lot of personal development. I was, that I just, I couldn't, I was like, I knew that what, what I was doing, what I wasn't doing. And I was, it wasn't gonna, you know, it wasn't gonna fly. Um, and I wasn't scared. And like, I, at that time, luckily, you know, I, my law firm was doing really great. So I knew that I would be, because when I left, it took me a couple of years to get divorced. So I knew that I had the the continuous income, that I'd be okay. Even if like the divorce didn't go the way I wanted to financially. Um, and so that also gave me strength. Also, I had my family and I had like really great friends and I always kept my relationships like super, super solid. Like I have now. And, That's been the key to, like, probably the biggest key to success in everything for me um, is my relationships.
0: Like, keeping them. And, you know, it's great that you say that because um, I was having a conversation the other day about how women, some women lose themselves in their relationship with either their Mm. husband or their boyfriend. And then, you know, they completely forget about their friends. But, you know, not just when the relationship doesn't work out, but you need to cultivate your friendships. It's not just about that significant other. Oh my God, girl. Yeah. You're so right. Like
1: I've been single, you know, for the last couple,
0: for a few years. Um, was next question. Like, are you single? Or <laughs> you?
1: <laughs> yeah. I have it. You know, I've had like short term, like, you know, boyfriends, things like that, but like nothing really, I've been like, so on the go, like as far as like, there's my growth and my movement has been very, very fast. And there's been a lot to change, like career wise and really more like stepping into like who I really am am. And I realized like in the past, like my mistakes or maybe choosing the wrong people, um, had been because like, I wasn't fully aligned with myself and what I want with my goals. Like I wasn't like at a place where I'm like, okay, i actually don't need anything from anybody. <laughs> like, I just want to be with you because I want to be with you. Cause we're going to like change the world together. And that's kind of what I want. Um, that is what I want, you know, and that's something that you can't have until you're at a really good place or you're vibrating at that energy. where like, no, you, you're not looking for someone to fill something that you don't have. Like you're just looking for someone to like conquer with, you know, like to like build with and to um, you're coming from a place of complete abundance and not scarcity and not lack. And so that's so
0: important. I, you know, that's so why important. I tell people like even if you have somebody that makes a lot of money, you have to have your own. Oh my God.
1: Yeah, you do. And here's the thing. Okay. So I have a whole theory on that. It's not my theory, but we as women deep inside of us. Okay. And deep generationally um, it's, we've been taught over the generations that we need to be rescued, that we need to wait for the Prince time. mean, it's in all the Disney movies, (laughs) you know, like, you know, the Disney movies are evolving now, like where the woman is like the protagonist, and like saves herself. And, but you know, if you think about it, it's like, there is someone needs to come do this for us, like a handset and that we can't, maybe there's like these undertones of like, we really can't do it alone or we're not meant to do it alone or, um, or we're not as powerful on our yep. own.
0: Unfortunately.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, I still believe that like your women are powerful when you when you're with the right people, because like we all need support. Yeah. Um, I know. I know you were going to ask me about the support system too, but like that's the ultimate support. But I haven't found that in a male, in a like you know, in a love relationship as of yet. But what I do is I focus on like creating that. Like I I plan it out. Like if I was to plan out a strategy, like I have no idea what it's going to look like or who the person is, but I know exactly what I want. I know how I want to feel. And the only reason, the only way I've been able to get to that is really by raising my value of myself in my own eyes. Um and I want to be proud of myself.
0: Like you have you know, to be like on what, yourself.
1: Yeah, like when I was like broke and like what the hell is going on with me and I didn't know where I was going to live, like I was not in a place vibrationally that would attract the partner of my dreams. I don't believe that. You know, I mean some people might have had that happen to them that you know that and maybe that's a different story, but, like, for me, I believe, like, I would have been in a place of knee and scarcity. And, in fact, like, I did. I had some, like, short-term boyfriends that it just didn't work out for whatever reason. And I realized, looking back, and so I wasn't there. You know, I knew inside of me, like, I had to get my shit together. I had to, like, be in a really good place where, like, I'm not, I don't need anything from you. And, like, all it is, like, basically, one. what I want, you know, is one plus one equals three. I don't want one plus one equals two, you know, I don't want to build, I want to build, I want to be stronger with someone like, but like, you know, times three, (laughs) like, I don't just want to be, you know, like one plus one. Okay. Now there's two of us. Now there's four hands. No, I want it to be like, our power is like, so, and, and that will only happen with two people that are fully like, they're connected to themselves that are good with themselves that are confident where they're, they're holding their own value and that's it you know and so that the day that i find
0: that is the day that i will be a different different person so probably. you're single not looking but if something along those lines comes along and the person can build and the attraction is there you're still open to it right 100% oh totally and i'm, I'm more
1: open to it now than ever i think for a long time i was like i don't need that i don't want that i was kind of like and, and and i think also you know i was a little scared because I didn't want to get hurt again and I think my breaking up of my marriage even though like it was my my choice to do that it's a heartbreak
0: and um
1: it's a it's just like a death it's like it's a it's an ending you know yeah and it's tough and you don't realize that when you're the one that leaves you're like oh I uh I did this why do I feel this way well it's still a death it's like it's still a loss yeah it's still, a lot. it's just like when someone like passes away, it doesn't matter if they died of cancer or if they died from one, in an accident, or if they died from one day to the other, if they died because they, like, it doesn't, it's a loss. And so, um, you rebuild, you know, you lose a piece of yourself and you rebuild that. And, um, that's, you know, like, a, I feel like if you really do that work and it's not easy work, but if you do the work of like putting your, your part back together and focusing on that you know, um, and like loving yourself that eventually you do get to the point where like you know, I mean, you know, I'm 38 years old, like I feel like I know myself more you don't know, ever. Like, oh you're guys, you see you like, like, when people 4. like 8. <laughs> Sarah, So let me tell you something. When you this is so funny because I make this joke with other people that are like my age and I'm like, did you notice when like it stopped? being that because there was there's a shift right like so when I was in my early 30s said so, oh I'm I'm 32 I'm oh like but, you know they say they would say you're so young 32 so young and then like somewhere along like 36 37. When you tell people well, I'm 37, people are like, but you don't look 37. So, but people are like, so then I think, wait, so are you saying that that's old? Because that's what, like, it's so funny. <laughs> but there's, like, this shift. You'll see. You'll go through it. But it's, at yeah, at the end of the day, I don't feel old. You know, it's, I feel good. And it's all in your mind. I mean, really, and how you treat yourself. And, um, I mean, a lo- it's hard for moms because it's tiring. You know, it's tiring. You know, it's, like, literally, like, so tiring. I mean, I was with, I have 50, 50 custody, you know, 50, 50 time sharing. one week where there were them one week there with me, like on the day that, you know, my daughter was with my ex-husband, my, she got, and I had just given, you know, given the gift back to him, focusing on work. She get I get calls from the office. She's like throwing up, you know, and he didn't answer the phone. So of course, like I'm the mom, <laughs> like I'm gonna so run going to that school. get them. Of course. Oh yeah. And of course the kid wants to stay with me because it's not. So again, like your job is never done. You know, I feel like I have, I'm very lucky because my ex-husband did step up to become like a great father and he has them 50% of the time, which has allowed me really to really focus on work. And it's also hard, you know, because I, 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 I go through a lot of the emotional, like doubts and worries of like, am I getting enough time with my kids? And um, is it enough time with that? You know, all that stuff. But I mean, I just try to focus on being as, uh, like as there as I can be when I'm, when I have them.
0: And speaking of like having them, like, how do you feel like you balance and you have people that help you? Like, how do you manage your time with the kids and how, how do you work it out? So, um,
1: I've got, we have one week on one week off. We, we, we recently changed that about a year ago. Uh, we just gave it a try over the summer because initially, when we first got divorced, like our our settlement agreement was just all over the place. Um, we had we had like two days. I had them two days of the week, every other Wednesday. He I, he had them two days. I had them three weekends. He had them what? It was a mess. And basically what that resulted in was, like, a lot of back and forth with kids. And they and we were fighting all the time because there was, like, so many areas for us to see each other and to drop the kids off and pick them up. It was just, you know, like, I'm not someone that's ever really, like, 100% on time. Neither is he. But, like, he doesn't like it when people are not on time. And, like, we would fight about everything. So what we realized was we just need to, like, move it to one week off. One week. So they, when they got old enough, we did that. And he lives literally 10 minutes away from me, so I could see them anytime, you know. Um, Now we have a dog. We adopted a dog a week ago, which is, her name is Hope, she's a cute little puppy. And so, you know, of course, the girls miss the dog, I'm sure. I'll have to, like, go by there or bring them over here one day while they're with him to see the dog. Um, They have a baby sister, too, because he's remarried, and uh, so it's cute, you know. Like, I I think the baby's adorable. I love his ex. or his wife, like, she's sweet, I, you know, we do the best that we can in that way, it's not always perfect, you know, um, it's that, like, love-hate relationship, like, you love each other one day, but at the end of the day, it's the forever relationship you're always going to be, like, until these kids are 18, yeah, and it's, like, not, you know, I tell people, like, it's not, it's it's very important who you marry, but it's more important who you have children with, (laughs) because it doesn't matter whether you're married or not, like, you know, if you're both going to be involved in a lives, like there's, you're going to be in each other's lives like forever. So for me, I have a one week recently, I decided to uh, hire a nanny out of like, sh- just another like small little rock bottom. I hit with exhaustion. I was just like up all night, you know, till one, two in the morning, trying to get everything done, doing laundry for them doing the dishes from
0: the night, you know, and I'm it not even, it never ends. It never ends.
1: Never. It never ends. And I was really stressed out. And I realized like, okay, I I'm exhausted. I'm not even like really being present and grateful during the time that I have with them because I'm doing so much. Like I was just doing for them, like cleaning. And they'd be like, mommy, lay down with me. Can you snuggle with me tonight? But I knew that if I laid down with them at nine o'clock when they go to bed, I'm like out for the whole night. And I clearly needed like three more hours of work to do, including cleaning and so I would never like give them that time because I just like couldn't, you know? And so I realized I'm like, okay, I'm not even like really enjoying this anymore. I constantly feel like everything's a hard and a job and I'm exhausted. And so why don't I just like look at hiring someone to help me in the house? And especially cause we have a busy season, it's open enrollment, which is really when everybody's looking for health insurance, there's a six week window. So it's like I said, this is the time. I know I'm going to make more money. I It's the time. I haven't had a nanny since I was married, and the kids were babies. And I'm like, let me just try. So I have someone. She She's just started a couple of weeks ago, so we're trying it out. <laughs> um, she picks up my kids at school four days wow. out of the it's week crazy. when I have them. Yeah, which stops me from having to stop what I'm doing and go get them, wait for them, deal with the traffic, you know. Um it helps in a lot of ways and then she like is deals with the kids. Make make sure that they eat. Like make sure that they're eating something that they're e- not eating just like frozen fruit, you know, or like take out, you know, she's McDonald's. cooking, like she's also a mom. She you takes know care what of
0: dogs I'm all about delegation. Yeah. I'm all about that because a lot of times, you know, we feel like we need to do everything, but the yep. most you delegate, it's like you, the time you enjoy with your kids is totally different. Exactly. It's so true. Um,
1: cause it's like real connection time. And at the end of the day, like they don't need me to do every little thing and to fold all their clothes to show them that I'm a mom. Like they just need me to sit with them. You just, know, they just, yeah. they just need like you, they need their mom. Like they need your attention. And so like, if you're doing short, so like something that really, like, really shifted for me. And I have like these coaches that I work with that were like, okay, when you're feeling this way, that means like I didn't know whether I needed to hire a business assistant or a nanny. And I was like, I really had to like sit with them. I'm like, what's stressing me out the most? And I think I had like a total handle on the business stuff. It was just that I wasn't getting to it all because I was like procrastinated. I was just being tired. But really, it was like organizing like in the house and keeping everything together with the kids and the cookie dealing with the food and having enough food so that you know all that stuff, like that I wasn't really like my strength they've always worked and I said, let me just try let's see what it is. And, and so like these coaches really helped me figure out, and this is something that's probably really useful for anybody. If they were looking to delegate is like, what, what are the tasks that you could delegate? And like, what, what, how much an hour, like per hour are those tasks worth, you know, and then figure it out. So like I can pay an Annie 15, 17 bucks an hour to do X, Y, and Z, what, what can I do in an hour or two? Like if I focus and work and follow, do follow up on my, you know, clients and like ask for referrals and, or do my marketing stuff, you know, which is always like that extra thing that i have time for. How much is that worth for the long run? Right. And so for me, I realized, okay, I'm going to give it a try. And so far it's been good. You know, we'll see. I don't know if past the busy season I'm going to really need it. My kids are eight and 10 or nine or seven and 10. So
0: you have Years to keep days. an update on that because I know a lot of people I have a delegation and mm-hmm. except for delegation, we talked a lot about self-help. Is there anything that you do like spiritually that helps you a lot? I know that I'll always remember one of your, um, embracing squire events that you had, you had everyone start meditating and you guided the entire <laughs> meditation. Yeah. Did at an event, guys, oh at God, an event guys, at an event. Yeah, that was really
1: awesome. So, um, yeah. You know, I, I can't I tell you that I'm, I'm like an avid meditator because I still to this day is like one of those things that I want to do every single day, but I don't, but anyway, I am part of like a, a group and I'm in a, in, in a community. And I, like I said, I have, I have coaches and I do these immersions like once a quarter and I go out there and do these three day immersions with a group of people and it's content meditation. And I, you know, it's complete, like no phones, you know, connection with people. I'm actually going to do that really soon. I'm going to Costa Rica with the same group. Um, ironically enough in the, in the busiest few weeks of my business, but I just decided like, you know what, that's, those are the questions that you have to say, okay, would it make? does it really make sense to go during this week? No, but the trip is this week (laughs) and how much will I gain from this spiritually and emotionally that'll carry me into the next year. Um, And is that worth me maybe giving up a few sales and a few immediate dollars? Yes, it is. Thank you. Thank you. You're making me feel better. But yeah, I mean, so that's what where I'm at right now is like my biggest thing in building this business, because I really was able to like make money quickly doing this. And I saw how lucrative it is. And I said to myself, I, you know, when I built my law firm, we had like, I felt like it wasn't always like solid. Cause we, uh, like, we did not really know who we were, you know, we were just young and like, didn't make some decisions that maybe we, but like I, when this started to really take off, I said to myself, and like, I had a conversation with God and was like, okay, I want to build like an aligned business from a solid, with a solid foundation. And I want to build this to last. And the only way that's going to happen is if I do this from a place of like wholeness, you know, and yeah. not from a place of greed or needing money or no, it's from a place of service. And So like this year has been a year where I've really, um, invested in myself heavily on to keeping myself in that energetic state and challenging myself to do more in that area. Are
0: still working out. Doing yeah, I work out, every, I work out every day. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I have out- to do that.
1: Well, that's just a non negotiable for me. So I would say like the meditating is when I, I do that when I go on these immersions. It's not always a thing I will do on my own. But I will go work out because um it's it's like brushing my teeth. I don't know. I know like people are gonna be like, Oh God, shut up, Alex. But like seriously it is. Um and that happened a lot oh, that just happened over time. I've been my whole life, I've been like this. Um, you know, I in, I mean I remember in college I was running on the indoor track at my, I was always in the gym. I was always, it's like my healthy release. And so like, I have a kind of crazy schedule. Um, luckily with my job now I can set my own schedule. So like, I don't have a boss. I can work whenever. And I work a lot more than I ever did as a lawyer. And I also just love my job better because it's, I, I choose to work. So like if I want to record a podcast and not have a client call or like a sales call, I can do that.
0: Cause it's my choice we've been doing that for like a while and there were like no calls, no interruptions, anything. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like it's just a choice, you know? So, and it's being okay with that choice, which is something I still work on, you know? So sometimes I feel I get caught up in the competition. You know, my, my uh, team has a WhatsApp chat and uh, I have seven agents that are under me directly. And then we've got a big team, you know, there's like 50 agents. So of course, like I'm, I'm one of the leaders. And you want to lead by example. So like when your agents are producing more than you and you're not like, I get that little competitive kind of like edge and nudge inside of me, which I think is a beautiful thing. It's great. keeps me going, but it also, I have to keep it in check and tell myself, this is something I chose to do. Like I, something that I won't let go of is I go to the gym every day at 9am. Wow. Which a lot of people would be like, what do you mean? Like that's 9am. Like that's when I'm like, yeah, that's when I go. So um, you know, when I have the girls, I drop them off at school, at, they have to be there by 8.30. I go straight to the gym. I'm out of there by, like, 10, 15, and I really start working at 11 every day. And then, I mean, not to say that I don't check my phone a bunch of times and maybe text and respond to people that way, but um, I really don't, like, schedule anything before 11. And then I work until late. Like, I was working tonight till like, 11. You know, like, I'll, I'll do... And during open enrollment, I will work crazy like that, like 12-hour days, 13-hour days. And Again. it's
0: like, yeah, you know why I wanted to ask you that question too? Because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. At the end of the day, it's really the time you make for it. Whether yeah. it's meditation, whether it's working out, whether it's even spending time with friends or cultivating relationships, you just have to make them a priority.
1: Exactly. You have to, exactly. That's such a good point because I realize, like, there's certain things where I, like some, and you've probably seen this, but someone said like, okay, whenever you say, you find yourself saying, I don't have time for something, replace that with, it's not my priority.
0: And that's wow. like, no, repeat that. You need to repeat that. Oh my God. Repeat okay. That.
1: This is so good. So whenever you find yourself saying, right, like I used to say, like, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time. To me- I don't have time to have a boyfriend. I don't have time for a man. All that stuff. Right replace that with meditation or inner peace is not my priority. And then it's like, oh it's right? so true like because feels- when you really
0: want something, you make time for it. Exactly. When like when priority, yeah. You bend over backwards. I was just um I was just saying like I met this one of the moms at my daughter's school and she's a single mom too. And when I go to the gym at, like, 5.30 a.m., it's because my sister, I, like, beg her to come to my house and sleep in my bed for me to go to the gym, right? So I see her there, and I know she doesn't have a lot of help, and she goes, I hire a babysitter just to come in the morning so I can go to the gym. Wow, that's amazing. Because she goes, it's the only time that I have to go to yeah. the gym. Because She's very busy. She's a single mom. And she
1: hires someone uh, to come just for that time
0: in the morning. Yeah, it's amazing because it's like she doesn't have to do
1: that. You know, she could also say like, "I'm not gonna go,"
0: but it's like I don't have
1: time. Yeah, I don't have time, and yeah, there's lots of people that don't have time. But like again, what is what's your how important is it to you? And it doesn't have to be that important. That's the thing. Like I wish that all women would just get in their head. Like, like I hate the word should. You know, like I should be watching what I eat more. I should be going to the gym more. like, well, why aren't you doing it? Just Like, okay, so you're not doing it. So either you do it or you don't, but just you choose. You choose either way to do it or not. But to live your life thinking that you should be doing something that you're not doing, unless it's like something that you're just aspiring to, that you're working on, that you're like making steps to be better at, just that thought of like, oh, I should be doing something that I'm actually not doing. Is like a net, it, it literally has no effect, but like no positive
0: effect on us
1: you at know, all. Like, just there's it.
0: one thing that you told me one time, and I'll always remember that. That's actually one of the best advice I ever got from anyone. It was from you. Aww. And just to give the audience a little background, you're actually one of the first people I called when I was going through the separation, because I'm like, you know, she can help me with that, because she went through the same thing. And you told me, whatever you're saying, even the should or whatever it is, you said, what, how does that serve you positively? right yeah when and said, that, that. It hit me like a punch in the face like <sighs> who like what does she mean by that but it's so true like when you say oh I should do this I should do that but you're not doing anything how is that serving you exactly
1: just choose to like let it go and say oh that I'm not not focused on that right now but I'm gonna one day well like just turn it around because the thing is that like the way we talk to ourselves and like the words and how we how we how we like feel about what we do and what we don't do every day, and like our progress and everything is like so it matters. It really matters. Like you can't go through thinking, oh, I should be doing this, and I'm failing at it. Like for a while, and this is like recently. Like I'm gonna tell you, like I felt like I have it all figured out, but I really don't. Because clearly, like I have, I have my issues too. And like lately, but was, you're working like, on it. Totally working on it. Totally. So like I had this issue with sleep. Like I just wasn't going to sleep early enough at all. Like, but like, I'm talking about like late. I had, I had a really bad. How I would stay up at three in the morning and I would be able to do it a couple of days a week and I'd be able to like still get up and I'd be able to muscle through it and I need a little extra coffee in the day and whatever, but I would do it. But I, I would feel like shit by the middle of the week and I would feel completely guilty because it's completely on a line with like what I'm committed to, which is like self-care and rest restoring myself. And like, you can't work out the way I do and work the way I do and not restore yourself. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like you're lying. And so like that whole feeling, and I was like, I'm so, I'm going to try to go to sleep at 10 o'clock every night. I'm going to get up at five every day. Like I was setting myself to fail in 20,000 ways, you know? Mm -hmm. And when I finally was like, now I'm making it like just more likely that I'm going to keep doing exactly what I'm doing. I needed to shift the way I'm looking at this you know, and try to like make, set myself up to win. Cause the thing is, is this, like someone taught me this recently. Um, so it's really important for us to build habits of winning. Okay. So like, for example, some people, like a lot of people like, that never work out before, let's say they start a goal to work out. Right. And they set themselves up. They're like, I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. And I'm going to do an hour of workout every single day. I'm going to do, you know, and they set themselves up for that. And then they make it, like, two days. And then they're, like, really sore after two days and they don't go back. And then they're, like, oh, shit, I missed my third day. And the fourth day, well, I might as well just give up on the week. Uh-huh. And so, like, then you're, like, oh, I just failed for the week, right? Think about that. And then, and then like, how does that energy of, like, I just failed at that, I set, I set myself up for something and I failed at it, how does that energy, like, serve us in wanting to actually – accomplish a goal that's already hard it's hard to change habits it's like the most important thing with working out I tell everybody this is at the beginning like the consistency is more important than the intensity
0: it's It's better to go there for like 20 minutes four times a week than to go try to go two hours you know
1: it's just it's better to go
0: there more often to
1: go there more often to get in the habit, like right, of like, okay, I'm gonna go. Even if I just walk in and like walk back out, at least I'm there five days a week. Pretty soon, like, you know, you're gonna work out most of those days. And you're gonna build a habit of being if your goal is to walk in that gym, most likely you're gonna work out. You know, number two, you walked in the gym, you won. And so that's like a winning you're building like it's really important to build a habit of winning because of, if not, then you're just like used to failing all the time at your own things. And then so your own expectation of like whether you're going to follow through on what you want is like low. You're not going to be, you're not going to expect yourself to follow through on things anymore.
0: And speaking of habit, I know that you read a lot and that you, you know, you're really into self-help. Is there any book or resource that you would like maybe a podcast or like a book, a book, something you could, you know, recommend to the moms on their grind?
1: So this is a book that someone recommended to me when I was in my like burnout phase, uh, recently, uh, like right before I decided I need to hire a nanny. (laughs) I need to sleep more, all that stuff. (laughs) This book is called present over perfect present over perfect. And it's by Shauna Nequist, which is N I E Q U I S T Shauna S H a U N a present over perfect. I'll
0: put it in the show notes. I like the title.
1: It's awesome. I, I've i listened to it. When I listened to it, I cried like sobbing tears um, because it literally spoke to my heart, like in a, in a very big way and to what I was feeling. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm not going to go this route. Like, you know, like the total burnout route. I saw myself going that way. And I was like, this is not, you know, and it, it was actually when I was on a plane on my way to one of these immersions that I do in San Francisco, feeling kind of guilty that I was leaving you know, and not working. And I remember being like, Thank you. Like, you know, thank you for listening to this at the right time to show me that like I'm doing the right thing for myself and for my soul. And really for like the longevity of my business and my like more importantly, my family. Um, so that's a really big important book. I also, I mean, I there's other books that I have. Like I definitely recommend so another someone else I listened to who on YouTube, you could just like search any kind of any kind of topic and you'll find so much inner peace on this is abraham hicks so like go on youtube and search abraham hicks like breakup abraham hicks stress abraham hicks um anxiety guilt like anything mom guilt mother talks
0: about it it's like videos right
1: they're videos on youtube but it's actually not videos but they're like yeah they're like recordings but they're made of of, like like videos on there and i i'm telling you they're like these you know A few minutes, uh, some of them are a few minutes, like 10 minutes, seven minutes, you know, and you can search any topic and then they'll just give you more of them. I mean, if you can listen to that, you know, people will, will ask questions and anything can be put into this perspective. And like, eventually you start training your mind to see things in this way, which is really like with gratitude, with compassion, every experience is like a learning opportunity, nothing, there's no problems. Like the only problems that we have is that we problematize we make things into problems. There's no problem. Once you can train your brain to think that way, um, and it's a training, just like our brain is like a muscle, just like, you know, our calves or quads or like any, anything, right? Like we're building a muscle and it's hard to change the way we've been brought up to think and to believe for so long. A lot of it is like inherited from our family and um, it's not not, uh, the most conscious thing, right? But like, this I know listening to her, and, and really listening to, like, anything that's personal development, positive psychology, it really is life-changing if you make that part of your life, um, and if you integrate that into your parenting. Because, like, that's something where I, kids are, like, super, like, super sponges. <laughs> like, they'll apply things in ways that um, I've never seen and adult apply things but I, I used to coach attorneys and coach lawyers and w- other women that were like my age or younger a little younger than me but there's nobody that's more coachable than children
0: they just I can't wait it. to listen to it I can't wait to like go look for it on YouTube mm-hmm.
1: yeah okay. it's really good it's really good and and I mean, if I think of anything else, those are really the things, like, I listen to stuff all, it's constantly all the time. Anything positive, I mean, I've been to Tony Robbins, like, Gary Vaynerchuk, I love just because I love his, like, business sense and his, you know, sales and marketing kind of stuff, Um, you know, but as far as, like, for moms, I would say, you know, and, like, subscribe, like, I'm part of all these Facebook groups on, that are mom Facebook groups that I know you're part of, Mm -hmm. and... Those are great resources, you know, because like women, you can ask any question in there. Like my kid is not listening to me. I'm having trouble disciplining. I'm having a trouble with this or this or that, like anything. And you'll get like 45 comments, you know, or something crazy about, From and it supports community. And that's really what I think all of us desire at some level. Like we really want support and community and not all of us have that in our family. Um, or maybe our jobs or our marriages or our situations have kept us from really developing relationships so we really want them. But you can find community in, in different places. Like, I found community in my church and my gym. I have WhatsApp chat, chats for both of them. It's like I always got people to do stuff with. I got people to bounce ideas off of. And these groups on Facebook are really great, too, because they're based on interest, you know. And, like, being a mom, is I've, I've seen a lot of, like, great things happen in those groups.
0: And, okay, so we're almost done, but I need you to tell everyone where they can find you and exactly what you're doing, how you can help them. Because I know that open enrollment, is when does it begin? On the 15th?
1: So, no, actually, open enrollment is, so open enrollment is basically on the Affordable Care Act marketplace, the ACA marketplace. Um, there's a period of time that people, and people, this is anyone that's not covered That doesn't get health insurance from their employer. So someone who's buying individual insurance or like anybody who's self-employed who's buying insurance on their own, they have a couple different choices. One of them is the marketplace and the marketplace plans, they've only got a six-week window. And that's it's actually November first. It's now, it's happening right now. Yeah. So November 1st to December 15th. And then if whatever plan you choose, it would become effective January 1st. That's the window. So if you miss that window. Unless you have a qualifying life event, you can't get onto one of those plans. There's also, like, the option of private coverage. Um, if you're healthy, if you, uh, you know, like, you don't have a crazy pre-existing condition, if you've t- taken care of yourself, you don't have a lot of prescription medication, whatnot, you may be able to qualify for one of these plans on the private side, which you're don't not- have that same deadline. Um, but they, you know, right now is a great time, you know, to really look at what you have currently and what your renewal is. A lot of people are getting their renewals in the mail or they're just looking to enroll. So, I mean, I, that's what I do. I sit down with people and I really like help them. I do all the shopping for them. I help them figure out their options. And a lot of times, like, you know, I,
0: I will take a family. And it's a free consultation, right? Yeah. Completely free consult.
1: Yeah. I don't charge for my services. The insurance companies pay me. So I, if I'm able to help someone like get one of these plans, you know, I get paid by the company. So like, I don't, you know, a lot of people don't think that a lot of people ask me what I charge. I'm like, I don't charge, I don't charge you anything. So take advantage of me. This is like something that you don't have to do alone. Um, it's very confusing and it takes someone full time that's invested in this and, you know, keeps up with it. Um, there, I have a website. It's alexandracontos.com. I would just net for right now, actually, like we we're just like relaunching this whole branding thing we're doing. So the the probably website isn't even active right now, but it, it might be by the time you publish this. Um, or I can you know, always link
0: your Facebook and your Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. I'm really
1: easily accessible. Yeah, you can message me through Facebook Messenger or Instagram, or my email is healthbyalexandra at gmail.com, health like H-E-A-L-T-H by Alexandra at gmail.com, or you can text me. My Everybody texts me. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me. It's 305. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm a texter. So it's 305-720-8216. And I will always respond as soon as I can. Um, These days are really busy. But like, yeah, I tell you, don't try to do it alone. Um, You know, use someone that's knowledgeable, like you'll save a lot of time and a lot of energy and you save yourself some money um, that I can get pretty much guarantee.
0: No, you're amazing at what you do. Thank you so much for coming. I think you were the perfect person for this podcast.
1: Oh, thank you, Sarah. This was so much fun. I really, I'm so excited about what you're doing. I still believe in this. So whatever support I can be
0: for you. Thank you so, so, so much. And I'll send people your way. You're the best for health insurance. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, bye, girl. Bye-bye. Bye.